Hello, my fan friends, and welcome to another edition of Rahalastapa. This is a nice secret surprise one that you might not have known was coming with uh, the second visit of the fantastic US stand-up David Cross. This was uh, recorded remotely this time. I did have him in the Les Square Theatre last time he was over. Um, and uh, he his new special is great. Do check it out. Lots of fun in that one. And... Uh, shocking and wonderful stuff as well um but uh, it was great to have him he spoke uh, very generously and gave us his time um look we're doing this run at the Les square theater uh which you can buy your tickets for now names are starting to be announced if you go to richterring.com gigs you can see who's been announced so far uh, if you become a monthly badger you will get information about the guests ahead of everyone else go fasterstrike.com badges but I am aiming high. We've got seven shows, I think. Fourteen amazing guests is what I'm hoping for. And uh, it's even better if you see it live. You will be able to buy the live streams uh, if you didn't back the Kickstarter. But you will only be able to buy them individually rather than a series pass. So we'll let you know more about that as the time comes. But uh, for now, let's sit back, relax and enjoy the incredible David Cross on Rahatnastapa. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man who's an inspiration to rowers. It's Richard Herring. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Richard Herring's Leviathan Sculling Transatlantically podcast. Um, very exciting news. Uh, I was talking to Duncan Hughes and his crew who've just completed the Talisker Atlantic Challenge. They came in third place. They had a copy of the, they've rowed across the Atlantic. They had a copy of my book, Emergency Questions, and kept each other's amused by asking themselves emergency questions as they travelled. If they hadn't wasted that time, they might have come first. But, you know, it's still backed by emergency questions. Anyway, they call it Rahalastapa, so that's pretty good. Uh, there's a, I've got a picture of them up there. Should I put that up? There they are. Fantastic guys having rowed the Atlantic and they're asking each other emergency questions. Absolutely crazy. Um, and uh, what's been going on for me? I've been... I've been um, been watching scooby-doo with my son he, he sort of got into scooby-doo without knowing what it was he had the haunted mansion toy so i, I bought the dvd to watch the original scooby-doo where are you with him um there's a, a few things that i've realized about it so far the, nobody has said we'd have got away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky kids i'm starting to wonder if that might just be like an uh, uh, apocryphal thing that never actually happened if so a lot of stand-ups are going to have to rewrite their entire stand-up sets. Um, it, my son went nuts for the bit at the end of the first episode where the ghost came back and then it turned out to be Scooby. I said, it's a good job you like that joke because that is going to... You're going to see a lot of that. Um, but the sad thing I realised was uh, that the show was made in 1969. So Scooby-Doo, the oldest dog that's ever lived, was 30 years old. Scooby-Doo is definitely dead. It's, it, it's, it's hard to watch the show Knowing that, it makes it very sad. It's no consolation to me that Scrappy-Doo is also dead. Uh, I don't think that makes up for the death of Scooby. Um, I think all the gang are probably still alive. Uh, Velma says Shaggy's the best gymnast at school. So they're at school recording, so they might be in their 70s now. Um, but it's very sad to think Scooby-Doo's no longer with us. And I haven't seen a, an obituary for him. I was wondering if they could do a reboot of Scooby-Doo, like they've done a reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, and it could be Shaggy in sort of middle age being haunted by the ghost of the talking dog that he once knew. It could be quite moving and scary and upsetting. It'd be quite, you know, he isn't really a ghost. He's just a man. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, the good news is I'm free of COVID. I've, I've I tested negative yesterday. Still a little bit tired, but I have no more COVID in my body. Though the bad news is uh, the news stories coming in that coronavirus lingers in the penis and could cause impotence. With all the genital worries I've had over the last year, that's the last thing I need. Someone else saying it had made their penis shrink. So I don't know if that's just a way to try and get people to take the vaccine, because I think that'll get quite a lot of the guys who are refusing to take the vaccine to take the vaccine. <laughs> they should have put that up front two years ago if they were really planning this properly. Uh, anyway, I'm, I think I'm better. So we will see. But... I've got a very exciting guest. We've got a, a transatlantic guest as well uh, today. Uh, that's why I put the American flag up behind me to make him feel at home. I'm sure that has made him feel very happy. He's probably best known as the voice of Ham Sandwich in Meltdown. That's why we're all here today. 
Well, he's been on the show before. He's back. Will you please welcome the amazing David Cross, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Hello. Hello. Hello, David. Hi. How are you? Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to when I'm saying welcome, David Cross, but there you go. Hello. Uh, hi. Um, so I'm not, uh, there's a, a, some mistake. I don't know what my bio says or my current bio or Wikipedia, but I am not, uh, not that I have any problem with any any of this at all, but I am not trans. Yep. I'm not trans. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I, I, I hope I'm considered an ally, but I'm not. That's a mistake. Okay. I think it's the Atlantic that's trans, which is, you know, people have accepted the, the an ocean, maybe seeing itself as a sea. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying, to, uh, I'm not trying to change the ocean either. I'm not trying to alter, uh, Okay, I mean, I, maybe I need to do some studying up on this, but yeah, okay. And also, <laughs> okay, what well, was that's... what was ham? What would you say? What did you say? Ham sandwich. Yeah, well, well, according to IMDb, you were the voice of ham sandwich in Meltdown. It was a choice between that and the turd in one day was was going to be. Uh, You've done a lot of voice work in your time. Do yeah, you but what being was a ham sandwich? Uh, what was no Meltdown? Do you remember no. it? I, look, a lot. Well, look, a David Cross is a common name. It might be someone else. B could be. Yep. It was about thirty years ago. Well, it would well, not thirty, or twenty year, twenty five years ago, maybe. I, I yeah, think I don't know what that is. It was a long time ago. So, I was going to ask you mainly about the ham sandwich roll. So it's that's oh blown the interview if, okay. if you don't remember it. I don't. I uh, I mean, I remember playing a patty melt in. Uh, well, that's that's actually coming out right now. It's uh, the okay. Coen Brothers Macbeth. I play patty melt. Uh, I it's... do the voiceover of patty melt. Um, I do uh, a Reuben sandwich. Um, I do a, I've done a, a, what is it? Coronation chicken salad thing. I yeah. did that when I was in the UK. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, I mean, they call on you for a lot of foods. You know, yeah. If a food needs to be personified, I think you're the first guy that people generally go to. I, I wish, because uh, that other fucker <laughs> takes all the work. I'm like the okay. second guy. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> well, it's still good to be the second guy. The first guy can't do it. There's a lot of food to be voiced. That's the thing. Um, the first thing I want to take issue with, you were on the show before in 2016, mm -hmm. uh, in which you predicted quite confidently that Donald Trump would not win the presidential election. Yeah, I was, um, uh, I was very wrong on that. Why? Which? Why should we listen to anything you have to say when you've let us down? So we you relaxed us. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have listened to me <laughs> then, and you shouldn't listen to me now. Okay. Um, I, you know, I'm not. Uh, it's I, I. I guess I severely underestimated the um, the power of all those the the, the culmination and the combination of all those uh, aspects and things, the media and ignorance and willful ignorance and the duplicity and all that kind of stuff. I just, uh, I underestimated it. And yeah. I didn't also didn't think that I, I never would have imagined Hillary Clinton would have dropped the ball so severely in the last week. Um, and she yeah. did some pretty, uh, you know, uh, she made some bad choices, but uh, you know the culmination of all those things, and the Comey report coming out days earlier, all that stuff. I, 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 I wouldn't have, I didn't foresee that. No, so we won't ask for your predictions about Tim. I Minchin do, was I on do it. think, I, yeah. I'm very positive about this that in the UK you will vote Remain. I'm dead right. set <laughs> on that. I well, know. Tim Minchin was on about the same time as you, and he said Donald Trump won't win. With Brexit won't happen, and something else, and he was wrong on all three. So you were, yeah. you've done, you're better, you're, you're more of a Nostradamus than uh, Tim Mitchin. But yeah, well, you know, all these things are reversible. Well, actually, probably not. Brexit isn't reversible. But uh, do you think Donald Trump will win the the next presidential election? I mean, he may, and uh, uh, seventy million other Americans may claim he's the next president, but that doesn't mean he'll <laughs> legitimately win the presidency. I yeah. don't know. All I mean, all bets are off now. I mean, it's uh, uh, I don't I don't imagine you follow what's going on here too closely, but it's uh, with the um, they're going to vote. The Senate's going to vote on voting rights uh, tonight, and um, 
it's not going to pass and they're not going to carve out the filibuster. It's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, unless they, there's, I'm, I'm sure that every senator's uh, or Democrat senator's aides and, you know, has a, a has a, a basic, uh, group of people just pouring over the kind of minutia of how do we get this passed through the Senate without the traditional ways. But I, do, I don't see it happening. No. No, I mean, the world looks quite bad. It looks worse than it was <laughs> the last time I talked to you. But maybe we've been maybe we've been through the... No, we haven't. I was going to say maybe we've been through the worst, but I can't convince myself of that. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I think... Um, I, I was there. I was in London um, uh, during the vote, during the Brexit vote. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm sure you remember what that next day was like. It was just, it was similar to, uh, I mean, it's just zombies and people like <laughs> w- couldn't believe it had happened. And, uh, yeah. and you know, there was that feeling in the States too uh, when Trump won. I mean, there was crying. There was, people were crying. They were, you know. yeah. Um, well, all the things that happened in Britain, it seemed to be like the day before you'd go to bed and they were saying, this is fine, this is happening, the elections is yeah. fine, this is happening, the vote, this is happening. And you woke up and then it was, you'd woken up in the different reality. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting time. Well, you know, we're having, in, again, this is going to go out in, uh, in two or three weeks. So, you know, we'll, our predictions may be proven wrong very quickly. But uh, So what do you think is going to Okay, go ahead. That's what I was. Boris Johnson's still hanging on as prime minister. Yes, but I think think, he'll be around when this airs. My prediction is he will still be the prime minister because he's not. It's. I would say it's a bit of a. It's looking a bit less likely, but just I think he's just with these him and Trump have no shame. They can't. In the past, politicians, (laughs) if they did something wrong, sort of either were pushed or had some kind of. I know we need to bring we need to bring back and introduce to Western culture the um what's it called sepika the the Japanese you know self <laughs> disembowelment when you do something oh, yeah. shameful. Uh, well, that's, that used to be very much the family. British. Yeah, the very much the British way was the loaded shotgun, and you'd just yeah. go go into your office and shoot yourself in the head. So you know things have moved on a long way since then. So I don't I he might do. It's, it's, well, I, it's, it's interesting. interesting because I you know. You have to read beyond the actual headline and try to suss out why am I getting uh, these stories now and what's the significance. But I've seen just in the last, I'd say, 72 hours, I've seen a, like four stories. I can't remember her name. The This woman, the conservative woman. Uh, uh, Amber Rudd, is it? No, no. Uh, not, no, no, no this is in, in- Tess or uh, Tessa. Well, it's... it's um, I've seen a bunch of stories and she's got kind of like shorter blonde hair. Uh, right. She's conservative. She's a uh, Tory and uh, um, uh, had something, but the, these, all these kind of very carefully worded, a little like, could she be next in line? Like obviously yeah. people have talked about she's next in line. And, yeah. And they're, it's, they're it's floating. Liz Truss, I think. Yeah. yeah yes. That's yeah, it. But yeah, that's it. But um, yeah, she's, I don't. I don't think. Well, that, that's the thing, and I think the same with with Trump. If he doesn't come back, the thing is the doors open. And right. Someone were you no, know, and so like with the conservatives here, I think we sort of want Boris Johnson to stay because a, I think the next person will be worse, but b, hopefully people won't vote for him. I think I think the Tories maybe still believe that in two years' time people will have forgotten about all this and <laughs> still vote for Yeah. Him. Still vote. Maybe. But people are pretty people are pretty cross about it. It takes a lot because he's done a lot of shit. Right from the beginning, yeah. he was he sort of di- disrespected the Queen on, on his first week yeah. and, and did <laughs> and he got through that. Well so, I can't yeah, I can't probably... fault him. I, I'm not gonna fault him for that. <laughs> well that's it, but a lot of these things it is a lot of these things, you know and I don't know. It, it, sort of democracy has now become this um it's become who's the best at getting people to vote rather than coming up with a policy and saying, do you want to vote for that? It's oh, now yeah. finding out what people will vote for and then not having to do it. it just, oh, and even through so, subversion and lies and, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. putting out misinformation, like, yeah, the the vote's going to be three o'clock on November 6th <laughs> or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, well, it'll, well, this brings us to your special, which we'll talk about, um, which is called I'm from the future. 
uh, on Netflix, I believe. I no, got that it's, right. it's no. not on Netflix. No. Well, then, okay, um, let's edit that out. What, what's yeah. it on? <laughs> it's <laughs> available uh, as of now, um, uh, exclusively. It, it might change later, but right now it's available uh, on my website, which is officialdavidcross.com. And we've got different kind of packages, and, and that's where you can go see it. Great. Okay, so we'll head head there. It's well worth seeing. Enjoyed it very much. I mean, it's, it's very challenging and in, in intellectual. I, I don't know if it's wrong that the the bit I enjoyed the most and that I identified with the most was the bit about <laughs> was the bit. Do you know which bit I'm going to say? Was the bit about being a middle aged man and dreaming about oh. having to have a shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah Absolutely. That, that half your dream is taken up with just looking for somewhere to have a shit. It is. It. I mean, it started like. <laughs> A good ten years ago, I want to say, and it really is like, and I think I think I'm you're being a bit kind uh, to call us middle aged, but um, <laughs> we're, we're on the other side of it. But uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just something that uh, it wasn't even like I it was like I'm going to write a you know scatological bit about you know it just <laughs> was something that occurred to me when I was, cause I was initially doing that, uh, the thing that, uh, prefaces that, um, about dreaming the, you know, daydreaming about doing standup again. Cause I was, didn't get to do it for a year and a half cause of, uh, uh, COVID. And, um, and then I just sort of stumbled on, on that because it is a real thing that I can't tell you how many times I've been having a very nice dream. <laughs> Fun things are happening. It's challenging. Yeah. It's uh, erotically charged. It's um, you know, there's a it's a fun, interesting dream, and then it just shifts. <laughs> We're like, uh, I, I, I'm just trying to find a place to take a dump, and wherever I am, outdoors, indoors, my house, somebody else's house. <laughs> so like, hang on, hey, this isn't working, and. So you can relate to that. You've had that I, Absolutely. That happens to me all the time. So it's like a proper piece of observational comedy, <laughs> which isn't usually isn't usually my thing. But I love it when an, observ- an observation is something like that, that, that's sort of that way out there. But then it turns out to be, at least for me, my wife also enjoyed it. And I don't think she, uh, has, she has the same that? issue. I don't think she's. Exp- I don't know. I didn't ask her. But I was I was I was I was, I was literally pissing myself out. <laughs> Uh, that book because I am very old, but uh, but no, it's a that's a it's a that's a very funny. But there's well, like Chris Evans was saying, uh, who's not that one, not, not the Captain America one, uh, the my director. Uh, it's the the start of the show, even the before you get on stage, uh, is a lot of fun because a lot of a lot of stand up specials sort of follow the comedian around yeah. backstage, yeah. and that's sort of the cliche, and it's a bit embarrassing. Yeah. But what's very lovely about this is you sort of stick with the cameraman. And again, we won't say too much about it, but it's a it's a, it's a a really cool way to start it, yeah, that the cameraman's being a bit of an arsehole, and, and we and that's see a bit, the, of, a bit of his life. That's the voice of uh, John Benjamin from Archer and Bob's Burgers. He's oh, an old, right. old, 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 old old friend of mine we go way way back to right. boston in the early 90s and um and i was just looking for some you know some way to open it up uh and i was like oh i know i'll get john to you know voice a douchey yeah, it's nice because well, then it's just a little a little extra bit of the front and uh, yeah. you could miss it you could be you could be getting your drink and miss it but it's uh it's nice but the actual first the opening of the show. Yeah, don't give is, don't give it away. I won't give it away, yeah. but it's very ballsy, right? And it, so it's, it's my it's, 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 it's my favorite opening I've ever done. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. I just, I mean, people will watch it and then they'll understand a bit more about it. But it's 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 a very serious start, and it sort of I wondered how much it wrong foots the audience because it wrong foots the audience a little bit in the special a couple of times. Yeah, but, I mean that's the I mean here's that's sort here's of the, the idea, right? Yeah, and and. I, uh, when I, before people really knew who I was, um, I, that was a lot of what I did in stand. I'd come out and I'd do like a character. I'd do something that would, uh, and try to make the audience a little uncomfortable or if, if not uncomfortable, then question whether this was legit or not, you know? Sure. Um, and, 
and you know, I'm not able to do that anymore for obvious reasons, but, uh, uh, I just, I love that feeling of people truly going, where, where is he going with this? What is (laughs) this? What is he talking? Why is he doing this? What is he talking about? Where is this going to end up? And, uh, (laughs) Uh, I love that kind of thing, especially in the beginning of uh, of a set. Yeah. And you know, at this point, I mean, these are all my fans, and uh, yeah. it's a TV taping, and um, so you know, they they know it's not going to be something. Uh, they know it'll end up; it'll have a point to it, I guess. Sure. Um, and, and I suppose, but, it, but there's an element. You know, you you're thinking, well, there's going to be a there's going to be a reveal. There's going to be a joke. But there's a part of thinking. Oh, maybe maybe he's gonna do a really darkly serious like show about his family history or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really goes. It really, it's really, it's really. There's a tension, but you know, I've done stuff not exactly like that, but in that sort of same genre, I suppose. And it's sometimes like even if you're trying to do a slightly serious bit, or you've got a serious bit that will be the the most dangerous, the most risky thing you do a bit that's a long serious bit that then has a, a punchline is that somebody in the audience shouts out at the wrong time or laughs at the wrong bit or yeah or, always and that's so always yeah. a danger yeah yeah and and you but know you- I I did that uh, a number of times before before yeah. the taping and um uh and you know sometimes people wouldn't react at all there'd be there'd be no reaction and sometimes and I think it happens in the in the special. You get people who left. There's one certain tiny thing that they laugh at, and I just plow yeah. through it. And um, uh, and that happened at the same point every time. Uh, okay. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we won't do what I thoroughly recommend. This it's a it's a it's a it's a brilliant show, and we I will, I will try not to spoil it. But I think one of the um... can I just tell them one more time? It's. Uh, officialdavidcross.com and that's where you can see the special the new one it's called i'm from the future absolutely we'll put that in the blurb and everything so we will everyone can follow the link uh it's uh it's well oh, you'll having... probably I've... put it up but you'll probably do a graphic right <laughs> i'm so <laughs> we can sorry put... richard we can put something up but we'll, we'll do something for you but um i think what's interesting it is discussed within the show and you, you mentioned it there even that there was 18 months where you weren't able to perform and i think it's it, you make it clear within the show how important that that is how 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 was that that 18 months you may have been acting and things but but, but away was, from stand-up it was awful and uh i've never gone that long and and i you know i talk about it briefly and i i think any stand-up comic can can relate to that feeling or anybody who has the 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 thing that brings them joy the thing they it, it's not just a want it's a it's a need at some point and when you take the ability to do that away it it's it's a minor irritant at first and then it really becomes this kind of palpable weight and and it was uh and and part of it too was I was locked down in Toronto for uh, almost six months and and we didn't know that was going to happen my family. My wife got a uh, uh, was working there, um, and she's uh, amongst many other things. She's an actress, and she was on Why the Last Man, which was shooting in Toronto. And um, and once COVID became kind of as serious as it was, we realized, oh, the whole family's going to have to move up there because Toronto's a quick flight from New York. And we thought, okay, we'll be going back and forth, and. Uh, She'll go out there. It's part of a large ensemble, so she'll work for four days and then have you know eight days off and come home and back and forth. And we have a young daughter, um, sure. so we went to uh, we had to kind of uproot and move the family to Toronto and just you know get a Airbnb on you know on the internet and go. I, I guess that one will be okay and. Uh, and get there, and uh, it was as stuff was really starting to open up in New York, and then Toronto just shut down. And it was, uh, except for two weeks in mid-March, it was under stay-at-home orders, lockdown, nothing's open, uh, no pubs, no restaurants. Um, There's, it, it was really tough, and we had a, 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 a 
I guess she was three. She was three and then turned four while she was in Toronto. But um, uh, and there's nothing due, and I don't know anybody in Toronto. And I assumed that I was going to like, and I was looking forward to it. Like, oh, it's cool. We'll be there for half a year. I'll get a residency somewhere. Toronto's great. I love it. It's a great city. I've done plenty of stand up. I've recorded an album there. It's uh, it's really good for me. And uh, I was looking forward to it. And that was just the. It was deeply depressing and upsetting and um you know none of my kids uh friends are there and there's and yeah. nobody she knows and uh and i couldn't work uh i was very 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 lucky that i picked up a little bit of work here and there i did i have uh a couple episodes of station 11 which i'm uh you know thrilled to be a part of that production and yeah. um and just other stuff here and there but for the most part no stand-up and by the time I got back to the States, um, where everything was opened up in New York, um, uh, it had been a year and a half since I wow. had done a set. And um, I, I, I remember getting emotional. I remember exactly where I was. It was at a place called the Sultan Room in Bushwick in Brooklyn. And getting up there and just almost like almost starting to tear up with emotion. Yeah. Like I have that's where that bit came from. I just sort of riffed it. I didn't plan on it. I was saying like, I have <laughs> dreamed of this. I have literally dreamed of this moment. And, uh, and that's when I went off. I was like, and you yeah. were there. And then, you know, um, yeah. It was, it was very difficult. Uh, probably the most, uh, the, the toughest thing because it, there was, there was also, while it was happening, there was no, it wasn't like I could look at a calendar and go, um, oh yeah, June twenty second. I'll be able to get back on stage. Okay, well it's only six months, and then I'll like you just didn't know who, how bad no. is this thing going to get? This could get worse yeah. and worse and worse, and I may may never get to go to a hot, switch, you know, sweaty, dank, damp basement, you know, in Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, you know, humid, and trot out my meanderings again. No. Did you consider anything online or was that, was that? No, I, very, very early on, uh, when people started doing that, I, I knew like, oh, that's not for me. That's not gonna, it's not, it won't work for me. And I did other people's shows, but I would go on and just talk to them or just do kind of a character. But the idea of doing stand up, uh, it's just, I, I just don't, I'm not that kind of stand up, you know? Yeah. No, and it was, it was, I did, I did about two or three actual gigs, I suppose. And they were okay, but it was it was okay in order to test out some material and just say some stuff. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the same. No, although I yeah I I sort of you know I mean I do lots I do I like you I mean you do lots of different things and I do writing and I do uh, I've start I started doing more acting actually in lockdown weirdly they've got so I've got a couple of acting jobs um, and I sort of made a decision not to I said I'm not going to do any stand up I've ever done before lockdown after lockdown. But then I haven't actually <laughs> gone and done much stand up, so I need to write a new show. But I've, I made the decision to burn everything up. Through well, that's and start again. that's where this special came from. I uh, so I was supposed to be on tour. In fact, I would be. I I probably would be in the you know European phase of the tour, like probably in the next couple months, and uh, as it was planned, and. Um, uh, I had to cancel my tour, um, which is will probably remain the most disappointing thing I've ever had to do uh, professionally. And uh, um, and you know, stuff was booked, and you know, tickets were being sold, and, and it was just COVID was getting out of hand. And I I picked um, not intentionally, but I picked like two of the worst areas to start the tour and like in as far as COVID in the and like the Midwest and the South and I was like oh my god this is terrible <laughs> you know and um uh and so I, I made the tough decision to cancel the tour but I was like a lot of this material not all of it um but specifically the stuff about you know anti-vax and COVID-y things and uh wearing a mask and and um uh, also is the stuff about, um, whether or not to euthanize my dog, um, which is a big bit. Uh, I was like, by the time I get out and do stand up again, which who knows when it'll be a year, 
uh, a year and a half from now that I'm able to tour again, like I'm not going to be doing any of this material. So rather than just have it go away, I kind of scrambled together and, uh, um, you know, I had some shows that oh, I was getting ready to do that I was doing to, for, to get ready for the tour. And I just yeah. went and taped those last shows. Right. But so that yeah, I have it, it exists. Otherwise it wouldn't yeah. be anywhere. And we right. wouldn't be having yeah. this conversation right we now, wouldn't. Richard. So, you know, all the thing, all the good that's come out of this uh, terrible, tra- tragic event. I mean, it's nice to see someone. It's sort of that decision, isn't it? Whether you, whether you talk about COVID or you try not to talk about COVID. But I think it, it actually. I think I've seen you talk about this somewhere else. But it's sort of like after nine eleven, people sort of needed to. People wanted people to to talk about it, and I think people you need to through comedy you need to sort of process. Yeah. What's, what's it, happened, right? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think I do a pretty good job of, uh, um, intuiting whether, you know, okay, how much is too much? Where do I put this in? You know, uh, I don't want to, I, uh, I can, I can use COVID to talk about other things. Um, uh, so that doesn't feel like, oh, it's, you know, it's an hour special, but 30 minutes of it is COVID. So hopefully it doesn't feel like that, even though I use it as jumping off points for, for bits that become about other things. But, um, uh, I can, I mean, I, I, I numerous times, like, uh, um, after every show, uh, people would, you know, I'd get some comment that was, uh, um, some sort of variation of like, you know, thanks for saying that. That's what I've, I've been trying to, you're putting into words the things that I was feeling, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and, and it's a place, I guess it's a show that even though there's a lot of laughs and everything, and it's a comedy show, there's a place that allows like-minded people to get angry and vent and do it in a funny way. You know, I think yeah. that's what was kind of what it, there was a bit of a release for some people, you know. Sure. And I think that, well, the bit that certainly resonates because it sort of happens so much that that that's both funny and not funny, but you make it funny. But but is that is, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers or people who won't take the vaccination dying. <laughs> so it just oh, even today, the there's, there's, yeah. There's, yeah. yeah, there's but there's one in the paper today about um uh, uh, folks who are in the Czech Republic who caught COVID on purpose to get it out of the way without being vaccinated and died. I know this was particularly an anti-vaxxer, but well, there's, there's that... one way. It's one way to get it out of the way. <laughs> it I, wouldn't, I wouldn't follow <laughs> that path, but but it's because it, it's one of those things that is obviously tragic, but also no, there's, it's not. There's a I mean, part. It's... Of, there's a sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think we have to temper. <laughs> the idea that it's tragic in the overall picture it's tragic but this has been the case forever uh that people are so uh easily manipulated or ruled by emotion that uh, and tribalism that they do things that uh harm them and uh, harm their families and their loved ones. And that, in a sense, is tragic. But if you've been given, I mean, at some point, it's been years and people are, uh, um, and, and, you know, I kind of, I address that in the special briefly. Like, I, I get why, I get, I, I, I don't agree, but I understand why some of those people are, believe the things they believe and how important it is to them. And, uh, um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I would, I don't know if tragic is the word. Yeah. But I suppose the thing is it's, there's, you know, I think most, most comedians would joke about it, I think, but I think most people might want to vocalize. That's one of the things I think people would want to vocalize that there's an element of you go, well, you know, if they're going to take that risk and then it backfires on them that's sort of funny, but I think most people probably wouldn't say it out loud. So it's nice to hear someone. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. It's nice to hear someone describe that. That is the human thing of going, well, that, you know, to laugh and maybe feel you shouldn't laugh. But as a comedian, that's sort of (laughs) what we do all the time, I suppose. Um, Yeah. There's a difference. uh, You know, I think that's 
you know, kind of what I do or uh, it's the, the things that you would say, the jokes you would make with your friends at a pub over drinks <laughs> that you're, that isn't proper to say outside of that. Like I, I make those jokes out up on the stage, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, uh, and I get, did you have a lot of fun? I wondered if you'd come up with a, with a lot of options for the, uh, the things that are as, uh, that are oh. as bad as, oh. as bad as wearing a mask. Yes. Or I did cut, those I, change every day? <laughs> no, I, I had a, I had like an ever growing list and, you know, you can only do so much and I, I would cut things and, uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I kept it at a certain certain length, but th- yeah, there yeah, were a lot. There were a bunch of others. Yeah, I mean that's a fun thing to because the other day I nearly got a I was uh, for, uh, getting rid of a cardboard box and I nearly got a cardboard cut off mm-hmm. the box, but I did it, but I didn't quite. It just left a little bit of a mark, and I think right. that's that's sure. the sort of thing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the sort of thing. So it's a fun game to people that have to play at home. Things that are as bad as uh, as being made to wear. A mask, so that, but they're they're very. That's you know, but I suppose that's another little bit of sort of way of doing observational comedy through the back door as well. But it's, uh, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice stuff. Um, well, let's talk about. So it is a great. It's a great show. Go and get it. We won't talk about it too much more because I don't want to wreck everything. Yeah, they but, haven't seen uh, it. No, so well, I think we, I think we skirted around without giving away too much. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just so, nobody wants to hear. 30 minutes on something that they haven't watched. Or, you know. <laughs> but I was going to ask if you've seen Bob Odenkirk and is, and, is, and is everything going okay? He's obviously, I know he's yeah. touring the UK. So he's he's back on his feet. Oh, uh, I don't know exactly how long it was, but I would say roughly 10 days um, uh, after he got out of the hospital. Um, maybe not even, maybe not even 10 days, but he was... In New York, and he uh, he he has a, a place in uh, in Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn, and um, you know we made plans to, to get together. And he fucking rode his bike, uh, he, or rode a city bike. Right. He got a um, he got a bike. He rode his bike from like uh, uh, the village down to the bridge over the Manhattan bridge and then up to where I, I just rode his bike <laughs> after being in the hospital for three days, uncon, you know, uh, uh, uh um, you know, forced, uh, uh, what's that called when you, you know, they force you in a, uh, induced coma and, um, oh, yes. yeah. and yeah. So it's, it's pretty amazing what they're able to do now to clean up your heart and your, uh, uh, your arteries and your aorta and, and, and they don't even need, it's not even an invasive surgery anymore. It's like they go in with, you know, they basically go (gasps) and (laughs) blow it out. And, um, they went through his arm and there's no like scarring. It's crazy. Sure. He's great. He's doing great. Yeah. I believe, well, I hope, I'm hoping to get him as a guest when he comes over, uh, in March, because we're doing the the shows back at the Leicester Square Theatre. So there's a possible, there's, I'll talk to him, uh, uh, let's see, I'm talking to him probably because he, he and his brother Bill and I, uh, are working on a project, uh, together or writing this thing that, that we sold the idea. So, um, I can't say too much about it, but, uh, okay. But we're, and his schedule is crazy. I mean, his shooting schedule yeah. for Saul is nuts because they shot everything when he was down. They had to shoot all the other stuff. So now it's just, it's all backloaded <laughs> and, and it's all his stuff. And, uh, yeah. um, and you know, they'll shoot for 12 hours of him, you know, putting on different ties for a full day of shooting. So <laughs> who knows? Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll let him know. I'll, uh, I'll talk cool. to him about it. Great. I think we're talking to his people, but that's brilliant. Um, it's a very touching friendship the two of you have. It's often I, I was in a double act, and uh, we're not as good friends <laughs> anymore as, as as you are. But you you seen every the interviews from both sides about each other. I saw Bob saying how you were the funnier one of the two, which is a, a very that's, lovely thing for someone yeah, to say that's in a not double true, act. But um, <laughs> no, we're we're very. Uh, you know, we're very close. We, we respect each other a lot. We, uh, um, 
I think one of the keys to the to the success is that uh, neither one of us has much of an ego. We're also early on we recognized what our individual strengths and weaknesses were, and what made us different, and what made us work as a unit so well. And um, uh, I mean, we've never had like a blow up fight or anything like that. And uh, um, I've learned a lot from him over the years, not just doing comedy, but as, uh, as a person and, um, and I think vice versa. And, uh, I mean, we truly like each other's company and we make each other laugh a lot. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's like that. It's a, it's a, uh, it's too bad. We're not sexually attracted to each other because it would be <laughs> awesome. It'd be the greatest relationship, you know, you can imagine, but um, uh, you might you might have blown that might have blown you know, might have you know fizzled out after that. It's the will they won't they, and then you do, and then all the chemistry. That's true. Gone. That's true. So, you know, that's just true. when you're both, maybe when you're both <laughs> ninety years old, you should bang. Yeah. Just get it out. Yeah, and make a net and make a special of that. Well, everyone will pay to see that special. But that'll be in the future, so it'll be like <laughs> VR, man. It'll be like metaverse. Dude, you don't even know, man. It'd be fucking. We'd be able to stick a finger in your ass while you. But you could do it with uh, uh, VR. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a virtual finger. Amazing. I look forward to that. That's lovely. Fantastic. Um, and uh, like you, I've I've got kids a little bit later in in life, mm-hmm. and um, I, I saw you t- saying it was a. Uh, a, an act of narcissism, which I think is, I, I, I did. I did something similar before I had kids about talking about people having kids and saying it's a wonderful thing. But do you feel that now you've got a kid? Do you feel it's because I think you sort of almost there's a danger of losing your own personality because <laughs> you you become the sort of slave to these children, or do you, or well, you, do you still feel? I, I think that because. Uh... I'm an older dad. I think uh, I I was ready to and, and happy to uh, do this to to uh, to um, change and uh, and and do those things that a a, a good dad would and could and should do and. Um, uh, meaning I'm not, uh, I don't care about losing my personality. I don't care about, uh, you know, work doesn't come first anymore. Uh, sure. and, and I'm, if I was 29, I think I'd be having real issues with that if I was much younger, but I've gotten to do all this stuff. I've gotten to live this great, uh, life. And, um, I mean, obviously I can't like, I, I used to be able to pick up and just go to London for 10 days and, uh, yeah. or, you know, with my wife or by myself. And, uh, you know, I still have a lot of friends in London. I, I love it. I miss it. Um, but you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, and now she's in school, so it's really not going to happen. But, uh, uh, but I'm, I, any time that I start sensing like, uh, it's, you know, I've got to do this thing. Cause my kid, I got to pick up my kid at, school and uh, like okay great i got to do all that stuff and yeah. and she is uh you know she's she's pretty awesome and uh and i'm i don't regret a, a, any of it and i'm you know i i and i have been with her so much of her life and um part of it is because of covid uh but but i was because of what i do for a living there's you know it's like feast or famine but uh when i went out on tour on the last tour oh come on i mean we put a uh uh crib in the in the tour bus and my wife was with me and we just and we toured and outside of going to the to uh, a very truncated uh European leg of the tour and, um, a movie that I shot in Oregon, um, three summers ago. I mean, and and that's a total of about, I don't know, seven or eight weeks. I've been with this kid since she was, since she came out of the womb. Um, and, and 98% of American dads don't get that. They don't get that opportunity. So I'm, I know how lucky I am and it's great. And at some point, you know, it's, uh, uh, probably, 
should this project with Bob and Bill go, then um, daddy's going to have to be gone for big chunks of time. But she, you know, hopefully it won't be that big a deal because I, and she'll want me gone. (laughs) She'll she'll want a break. (laughs) I think my daughter would like me to go, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm the same. I mean, the only thing I, I had a bit of a health scare last year, and you know, obviously, then started, and I had a friend who had kids late who 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 uh, you know sadly died of cancer a couple of mm. years ago and left a young son. Does that does that worry you that that you that you might not have, by having left it late, you might not get to see some of um, those later I, years? I wouldn't say it worries me, but I think about it. It it uh, but it is what it is. There's not a whole lot I can do about that, and uh, um. You know, uh, but I'm not that old. Uh, I mean, I will. <laughs> but um, I'm not that old. But hopefully, I'll have... last year, <laughs> I just remember trying because my son's like the same age as your your daughter. My son's four, and my daughter's nearly seven. And so, like last year, when I had this health issue, I kind of and I'm just writing about it now, and I realised. For those weeks when I really wasn't sure what was going on, I was desperately trying to make something, do something that they would remember. But every time we went out to do, we tried to make snowmen, but they got like covered in cat shit and that sort of stuff, you know. So you think oh, they'll, they'll remember that? They'll, they'll, they'll remember it, but that's not that. what you want to remember. You'll be remembered. <laughs> that's your legacy. Remember the, the cat, the cat shit snowman guy. <laughs> what happened to him? <laughs> it was one day it was catch everywhere but it's uh, yeah i mean you can't worry about it too much i know but it's uh it's uh well no it, I, I i'm the same as you it is it's sort of it was really great to have that time in lockdown with them and and i think you you definitely do appreciate it more and i know you i know your own childhood wasn't uh the, the happiest and your, no, your was... father wasn't the, wasn't the greatest dad no. so it, it, do you think you do you think you kind of does that make you more determined to be to be a great dad? Absolutely. I've seen you say, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and that was a thought I had, you know, uh, even when I was aborting kids, uh, I was <laughs> that was on my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it, it that I, I don't know that a day goes by when it, I don't think about it in some way, in some aspect. Um, uh, yeah, and do, and, and like Robin Ince, the I don't know if you know Robin Ince, the UK comedian. He wrote a great no, book about. Yeah. Um, he wrote a great book about what what makes comedians, and 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 uh, one of the things is some kind of losing a parent, you know, either by through death or whatever, or uh, a lot of comedians are adopted. Do you, th- do you think it? Do you think that had any bearing on um, you becoming a comedian, or was that something you think was innate within you? Oh, I think both. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, I moved around constantly. I was always the new kid. So I think it was a bit of a um, self-defense kind of, uh, not even self-defense. I don't know if that's the right word. Just a way of of accepting, getting accepted. And, you know, and funny kids are accepted by a group of people, except for the and this is still the case even in adulthood, except for the, like the, the kind of dumber ones who are a little, um, uh, put off or threatened by that, um, for whatever reason. Um, so there was that. And then my my dad, you know, he was a, a shitty dad, but he was an, an interesting person. And he was, um, very, uh, very, uh, affable and extroverted. And he, um, you know, he had this kind of performance aspect to him and he would play up his English accent. I would, I'd hear it like, especially when he was like trying to pick up women or flirting, like I, you, the accent would go from, you know, a five to a 10 based on, on, on what he was trying to do. And, um, and he introduced me to a lot of, uh, comedy when I was a kid, he loved Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, um, he, you know, when he, when, when I was very young, he, he, uh, like he, he gravitated towards that. Um, so, uh, and he kind of do like silly things. He also had, um, which is one thing I inherited from him, uh, just shitty 
British DNA with my teeth. So he had, <laughs> he was young. He was a, um, let's see, he, he would have been like 30, you know, early thirties, you know, and he would have, he had a whole bridge that he would just take out and he had to have all these missing teeth <laughs> and he would freak out the kids in a, in a comic way. And he'd make sure. funny faces and, um, and you know, we, when I had friends over like dad, dad, take your, take your teeth out. And, uh, and so there is that because my mom is not like that at all. She's the exact opposite. She's uh, shy. She's introverted. She's very intellectual. My dad was not intellectual at all. Was, I'm such a combo of the two of them. And um, uh, um, but that's one thing I got from him was very this kind of performative thing, you know. Uh, but then that mixed with constantly moving and co- being in a new school every single year. Uh, in a new region of the country too. Um, right. And have to make new friends and, uh, and that becomes your identity. You know, you're the funny guy. You're the guy who, you know, stood up to the teacher and said this funny thing. And now girls are paying attention to you. So, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it's, in- it's interesting. It's, a, it's, a, they're, they're, it's certainly not true of all comedians. I don't think I, I mean, my dad was my headmaster at school, which I think was <laughs> probably, the, probably the trauma I had to deal with. But that's, I think I think that sounds I did a show awful. about it. It, well, it was sort of okay. It was sort of awful. I think it did affect me. But I did a show about it eventually, and I kind of realized all the things I am now. I was before I was at that school. You know, I was right. I was obsessed with comedy and sex, and yeah. as a four year old, basically. So I feel like I was who I was. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, maybe I had to be a bit funnier to to deal with this odd situation. Did you ever, did you get ever get other, uh, especially older, uh, uh, classmates? uh, Did anybody ever kind of lean on you to tell your dad to, you know, (laughs) give them a better grade or something like that? Or no, I don't think anyone would have thought to that. I got, I didn't, I hardly got bullied really. I remember one kid, like he took, it was an older kid who then took the sports lesson because he was sporty and then there was no teacher around and he just sort of kicked me around the rugby field, you know, chased me around, just kicking me because there was no, because <laughs> I was the headmaster's son. But right, that was well, the only so, real So bit you of... both got to work out. All right. <laughs> so that's the only bit of bullying I can remember. I think people, people sort of thought, you know, that I would, you'd get like the answers to to exams right, and stuff right, like that, you know. Right. So people, because I did quite well at school, so people, you know, some people would think, oh, he's, he's getting all the answers, so right. uh, which was not the case. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it was it was sort of weird, but you know, it was it was it was a it was an, a nice countryside childhood I had. So I don't really, have, but I, but I think so. Much, I think every now and again, I think of some things I do in my life, and I think I wonder if I'm doing that. I've written a blog every day for twenty years, right? That I put up online. And my, I just remember my dad saying there was a there was a newspaper journalist called uh, Mars Kington, I think it was. It was one of those guys who wrote a newspaper article every day in the Independent. And I remember my dad saying, "Oh, this guy's so amazing because he can write, he can write a funny article every single day." And I just wonder, did is you know, am I, <laughs> am yeah. I psychologically sure. attempting to impress my dad by attempting to write a funny article every single? I mean, it's every day. Yeah. I haven't missed a day of it in twenty in nineteen and a half years. So yeah, it's uh, it's sort of it, even there with is your health scares, it, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, yeah. But that's I mean, I think that's interesting. With as a comedian, it's interesting what you said about Bob. You sort of, I absolutely wanted to to get. You know, I did uh, I did podcasts like within uh, seven. I had an operation. I was doing podcasts within a week. You mm-hmm. know, so obviously it's not riding a bike across the massive bridge, but it's but it's. Um, you know, you want to get back out there and do stuff. And I think there's probably something in comedians about that, isn't it? It's sort of refusing to lie down and refusing to be beaten by stuff. I suppose there's there's that element where you've, you've got to fight back all the time, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and, and and again, it's like, uh, it's hard to describe. It, it's, it, it's, it's such a, uh, an innate need. It's a, it's a need to do stand up. Uh, yeah. uh, that I don't have necessarily with writing or acting or producing or any of those other things. Like I don't feel a need. I would miss them and I would want to do them, but not being able to get up on stage and, and, and that's why I was in, in the special way I, I say it's so, it's so rooted in narcissism, you know, uh, <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's like, unlike anything, I, I really, you know, missed it and it, and it, and it fucked with my head. I mean, the, the, uh, specifically when we were in Toronto, it was, it was depressing and I was not, uh, you know, it was hard on our marriage and, um, yeah. And again, we were just locked down. And when we were in quarantine, when we couldn't even leave the house, um, and they were very strict and scared you with like, you know, we're going to send cops around. You, you cannot be there. Um, and, uh, or you have to be there rather, but, uh, um, uh, I mean, I, when I was with, uh, and I would take my daughter for the first half of the day and then we'd have lunch and she'd take a nap and then my wife would take her for the second half of the day so that she could work in the mornings and early afternoon. And then I would work cause a lot of my stuff was dealing with people from the West coast. So I would take the later things and I, and you're, you're just at home with a, uh, three-year-old, uh, three and a half, you know, almost four-year-old. And, uh, I, I lost seven pounds in those two weeks, <laughs> just seven pounds, which is wow. on me. I have a tiny frame. Like on me, that's like, you can tell seven pounds, you can yeah. really tell. And, 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 uh, obviously I wasn't drinking as much and, uh, just running around for, you know, five hours, yeah. waking up and running around with my kid, literally <laughs> running, just running around a couch. <laughs> just, it's, um, hard. it's hard. And I think being in a place, you know, I think having to do that in a, in somewhere that isn't your home, that is yeah. that's super, because that's more, it was all, it was all a bit like prison. I've just had to self-isolate over 10 days because I got COVID and it wasn't, again, no, no, it was fine because I'm vaccinated, but it feels like you're in, you know, it feels like you're in prison, but if you're actually in a different house yeah. and you're, and you're actually not allowed to leave, it's the same as being in prison. I mean, it was a pleasant prison. Uh, <laughs> well, you're rich. There's some nice prisons for rich people. It was like American federal prison. Um, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. And that was just the beginning of it. And, and, and she, it was not as bad as I, I imagined it was going to be really difficult, but she, you know, psychologically she was okay. And, you know, there was, there was no, not a, at, at no point was she like, I want to go home. I, you know, she did started that started around April, uh, the end of yeah. April. Uh, um, but when we were there for the first couple months, like, uh, you know, it, I, but it was for me, it was really, really, really hard, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this uh, some of this show or this has come out of it. So it's it sort of it is as a comedian, any bad experience sort of is <laughs> there's, a, there's a part of you thinking, certainly with me last year, there's a part of you thinking, no, nah, there's some stuff in this. This will be good. We'll get some stuff out of this. So it's good. At least it's comedy's gain, even though we've we've been through uh, unpleasant stuff. Um I noticed that you uh, you played uh, Jerry Wexler in uh, in G- Genius, mm-hmm. and uh, Mark Mark Maron is playing him. Yep. In the f- film <laughs> film version, did you uh, did you get together to discuss? The- um, we actually <laughs> how you're going to play. We talked to each other. Uh, we overlapped because they were both shot in Atlanta, and um, uh, you know his. I think he was kind of they shot him out fairly quickly, but I, uh, I was in six of eight episodes of this right. show. Um, so I was going back and forth a lot and we, we were trying to connect, but, um, uh, we, we never overlapped enough to, to hang um, out. But, um, uh, I saw a, a very brief, like six second clip of him in the ad for, his movie and i immediately thought like oh he did a better job (laughs) (laughs) well um, i will it rings me what you should have done is like just one day gone into each other's jobs and just see if (laughs) anyone see if anyone noticed if you if you're that good you should both have been well i i I didn't watch either (laughs) one of them uh nor will i uh so i'll let other people decide Okay, um, we we will we'll let we'll let other people decide. And I saw you were in a film called uh, Dark Divide. Yeah, I just saw a clip of it mm-hmm. um, where where an owl flies out of a tree and lands on your head. Yeah, that was real. Did, that was a real. Did it really go on your head? Yes, it did. And even though they had padded the hat, um, uh, those if you if you could see it in the in the clip, those those talons are 
Those are massive. And that owl is fucking heavy. That's a heavy, sure. dense uh, creature. And um, uh, it was spotted owl. So it's this rare, big, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, there are owl wranglers and whatnot. Um, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that left a mark even, even though I was padded up and, uh, uh, that was a, that was a, that was a really, that's easily the most challenging movie role I've ever done in my life. Uh, shooting that was pretty intense and it was, uh, you know, it's based on a true story and, um, it was hard. That was the, one of the thing I mentioned, uh, the film I did in Oregon, uh, uh, where I didn't see my daughter for a while, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, yeah, it's good. I'm proud of it. The dark divide. Were you scared the, I mean, cause I mean, it would have been, it would have been an embarrassing way to die. And then the, the movie industry would have, Oh, that would have been, you, I disagree. That'd be fucking You'd awesome. Like oh, if I'm going to die, that's the way I'd want to go. Yeah. yeah. Shooting a movie in the woods <laughs> and an owl, you know, you know, inadvertently pissing off an owl. <laughs> it and then the me. whole movie industry would have to look at the way it dealt with owls and actors. <laughs> that's right. And there'd the, be the that. And, then, and then there'd be David's law and uh, <laughs> it would be enacted. It'd be universal. Yeah. Good. Well, I haven't seen the film yet, but I will, uh, I will check that out. If you're, if you're, uh, it's beautiful. I will say. say that it's a stunning, yeah. it's shot in the real dark divide, the, the Gifford Pinchot national forest. Um, cool. Terrific. I'm going to ask you a couple of emergency questions. See what comes okay. up here. I've got a and new, then I'm, I'm going to have to scoot. A... Okay. Yeah, I no, I'll, absolutely. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, yeah, got to have your beard, beard trimmed. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, I will ask you. I, there was one I wanted to ask, and I've forgotten to find it. Um, Post-it notes, uh, bookmark it. Come on now. I should have looked it ahead. Um, all right, I'll just ask you a random one because I haven't got time to wait. Um, would you rather run a marathon or stay at home and eat a big bowl of ice cream, and the ice cream has no calories? And eating actually makes you fitter than doing a marathon, and they give you a medal at the end for eating the ice cream, and it's nicer than the medal you get for marathons. Which of those two would you rather do? Um, I mean, you don't even have to qualify the ice cream. I'd rather <laughs> eat the ice cream. I don't. Meaning, okay. I don't want to do the marathon. Okay, that's fine. I, I think that was. I'm, sort not, of a, I'm not one of the runner guy. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll ask if you could, um, if you all the world's museums and art galleries got together and said we would like to give David Cross <laughs> one item because we love his work so much. We loved him in the Chipmunks, and we loved him in Mister Show. We loved everything he's done. All right, so the, uh, this what, is obviously the get... Uffizi Gallery, um, and the yeah, and the National Portrait Gallery. Okay, so those two got together. You can take any art gallery, any museum, and they'll give you one painting or artifact or whatever you want from any uh, art gallery or museum. Which would what? What would you have? Uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, but the at the huge museum in Istanbul, the Top Topkapi Topkapi whatever. I've been there. Huge, beautiful museum, uh, um, and in a room, a tiny, tiny box. Uh, I know you can't see this if you're listening at home, but it's roughly the, oh gosh. I mean, it's, let's say it's like two inches by an inch velvet um, wood panel with, you know, gold inlay and things like that. Uh, and it, and the little thing that uh, the describes it, tiny little piece of paper. This is under like heavy plexiglass in a guarded room. Uh and I'm paraphrasing it, but within this <laughs> blessed box lies a hair from the Prophet Muhammad. It's not open. It wasn't open. It was just a closed box. Okay. And you're just supposed to take it on good faith that there's a <laughs> hair. I don't know which yeah. hair, what, where it came from, what part of the body, but a hair from the Prophet Muhammad was in that box. Right. <laughs> beautiful box beautiful box yeah. but no so not even a photograph of the hair next to the box not <laughs> they didn't it was just a closed box and it's a beautiful museum it's really it's like their main uh 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 museum it's it's uh and there you go I, that's the thing i would want i would want that's, the box okay. that supposedly 
has... And would you would you look or would you not look? Would you keep it? Oh, would you Schrodinger's keep, would, cat, would you man. Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> okay. I can't look or it won't be there. Okay. If I look, it won't be there. Well, that's a that's a, a terrific answer. I don't think we'll get that one again. So that's it's nice to get an individual answer. I will let you go and get that beard trimmed mm-hmm. because uh, you know I will recommend to everyone that they check out your special and. Uh, Look at the link, and we'll put a link to where you can get it. Uh, I really appreciate you giving me the time. Ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. Give a round of applause at home to the amazing David Cross. Well, and pull over. If you're, if, you're, if you're driving, please pull <laughs> yes, over before over. you give a round of applause. You have been listening to Raw Halastapar with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, David Cross. Thank you very much to Scantregard for playing this wonderful music. I'm indebted to my friend and colleague and director and producer, Chris Evans, not that one. The fantastic work on making these remote gigs work. I'm also indebted to Kathleen McKeegan, who runs Rahalastapa, rahalastapa.com, an invaluable resource to past episodes. If you ever have to go back and look and see what you asked people last time, then go there. And then you'll know what you asked them, you don't you won't ask it again. And you don't have to listen to the episode. That's probably more useful for me than it is for you, but it's still a good podcast. It's a very good good website for everybody else. Uh, thank you very much to um, Ian Zoom and Ian Zencaster for helping us get all of our stuff, our transatlantic recordings done. And this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all the upcoming Rahalastapas. Would love to see you there. Come and see it live if you can. And hopefully loads more coming in 2022.